Welcome to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series. The Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series is dedicated to providing internet marketing education to physicians for better business development and overall patient communication. Welcome to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast today. This is Michael Dubkowski, and I'm sitting here with a bunch of different people that are related to the topic of content. Today's topic is going to be um, what is your content game plan and how are you going to distribute this. Uh, we've been working with a lot of different practices um, to help them kind of discover what this looks like. So before we get started here, I want to introduce um, the people here today with me. Uh, we have Sarah Gelber. We have Andy Hercock and Anna Flemke. Sarah, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm currently a client manager with Glacial. I do have a pretty big background with content in my free time. I'm a food blogger, so blogging is really my passion. Andy. Hey, uh, I'm Andy, and uh, I take care of most of the SEO stuff here at Glacial. And in that role, I'm always, of course, having to deal with uh, the concepts of uh, content and how they how that relates to the rest of the site and what goes into good content and bad content. So I'm looking forward to discussing how that relates to blogs today. Thanks, Andy. And Anna? Uh, hi, I'm a uh, content marketing specialist here at Glacial, and I focus a lot on uh, blog production and editorial planning, um, blog formatting, and figuring out how we can monetize blogs and content. Thanks, Anna. I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot from you today on best practices and how to do that. So I want to start off today, and I want to start off with like how and why we got here. Um, literally last week, Andy and I were on a call, and the topic came up well. How many, like, what's the volume that a blog article should be? And what we found out from the course of that phone call was, like, people have some drastically different ideas. Um, so I'm just going to kind of start and give my two cents, and then we'll kind of go around the table a little bit, and everybody can put their fresh perspective on that. Um, I typically like to see a longer blog article, but I'm certainly not opposed to, you know, different articles being of a shorter length. Um, but every now and then, especially if you're looking for indexing purposes, I like to get that thing up over a thousand words. Um, not everybody likes that idea. Um, some people like to shoot lower. Some people like to shoot higher. But like right now, that's kind of my zone. And, and I, I just noticed from search engine things that you know the longer the article, the more likely that thing's going to index. Uh, Sarah, what are your thoughts on this? Because you do blogging from all kinds of different angles here, food blogging. And so, so what's your take? I think it really depends. Honestly, my personal opinion is it's more about quality rather than quantity. So if you're going to be putting out a thousand words in a blog, it should be high quality. And if you're going to put out something that's kind of short and sweet, like there's nothing wrong with kind of switching it up. So one time, you know, you, you write once a week, let's say, and your post could be a thousand words and then you write another post, you know, the next week and it maybe it's 500. As long as it's something that's engaging to people and they actually want to read it and they want to comment or share it on social media, I really think that's all that matters. Thanks for sharing that, Sarah. Um, Andy, what are your thoughts on this? So I, I, for the most part, agree with what Sarah just said, but purely speaking from an SEO perspective, blogs can do one of two things. They can either generate user engagement or they can count towards content on the website. So if you're looking to write a blog that's purely going to be there for people to engage with, to read, to share around, then quite frankly, the length of it matters a lot less. Because if people like the content, they're going to read it, 
and they're going to share it around. Uh, they're potentially going to click through any calls to action on the blog. It's going to serve its purpose. But um, the flip side of that is that as far as Google's concerned, a blog is really just another page on the website and they will crawl it, they will index it, they will evaluate it. So if you are looking to use a blog for that purpose, then obviously the more the better because they like good, solid, authoritative content. And there's no reason those two things can't coexist, but I think that's where the difference lies. Thanks, Andy. Uh, Anna, what are your thoughts on this matter? Um, yeah, I, I would agree with Sarah that I think that a longer blog really needs to be informative and um, educational to the point where it's not boring. Um, you want to make sure that people are engaged with your content um, and that comes uh, down to formatting a lot of the time, making sure that it's easy to read. Um, that's a big part of blogging is making sure that your content is uh, easy to digest, especially now that people are consuming content on mobile devices more than ever before. Um, so I think that's uh, a really major part of longer content is making it digestible. Um, so um, we seem to be on this topic of quantity versus quantity, and I think that's a good one. And I think that leads me to my next question for Anna, which is related to, you know, achieving that quality. And um, let's maybe start with you telling us what are some best practices for titling? Hmm. Um, that's a great question. So I think um, a great title comes down to word choice. Um, a lot of the time it's better to be simple with your word choice. You don't want to go uh, for too long of a title um, just because, again, that's harder to read. Um, and you want to make sure that you're, you're using uh, what we call power words. Um, so a lot of the time, like a positive power word might be always or essential or best. Um, there's or new is a really good one. Um, so those are uh, words that capture people's attention right away, um, especially in a digital age and social media. Um, you want to make sure that your headline, you spend a lot of time um, crafting that. Um, that's usually one of the first things that I do um, is write the headline first. And I do it like maybe like 10 or 15 times until I know for sure that I have it. So. Well, thanks for sharing that with mm -hmm. us. I think titling is an extremely important tool to get people to click on your blog articles. Another thing that I get asked a lot is, well, how do we know how many times a week or a month? Like, what, what, are pe what, are, what do you guys think about that? Because um, I get that question all the time. Is there, a, is, there, is there something you like to prefer or is there too much, too little? Sarah, what are your thoughts? I've never understood when people say they write a blog every day or that they write, you know, six different blogs every day. First of all, I don't know how anyone has that kind of time because I definitely don't. Well, and then the, the, how, how good is the quality if you're writing? That's the second mm -hmm. point is if you're churning this out, it's basically just like autopilot. Are you really going to be producing content that people want to read, that they want to digest, and that they want to share? I think that's the big one too. So like when brands or companies are posting on social media with their blogs and they're putting up a blog every single day, how are you going to be able to share that content every day? you're probably going to annoy the people that are following you on social. So it, I think it's better if you have like a once a week or like once every other week. So the people that are following you, your audience has the ability to miss you in a way. I don't really have too much to add to that. I mean, I, I pretty much agree with that completely. It's, you know, 
again, I, I'm kind of the, the more technical guy. So from an SEO perspective, there's no such thing as too much content. But at the same time, Google will only crawl the site every so often. You know, even though it's way more frequent now than it used to be, it's still not every five minutes. So, you know, you're, you're kind of spinning your tires if you're just cranking out content all day long. And, you know, like, uh, like Sarah and Anna said, you're going to burn people out. They're just going to be like, you know, your readers are going to be like, all right, enough already, you know, chill out. So yeah, that, that's really all I have to add on that subject. Anna, what are your thoughts on uh, how many times people should be blogging? Um, I, yeah, I think it comes down to how often you want to engage your audience. Um, you know, like once a month, I think can be reasonable for some businesses. Um, if you have uh, people like certain audiences that you want to target, more often, maybe it's a weekly thing. But um, yeah, I think it, it varies depending on your site traffic and your demographics and your audience and and who you're trying to have read your blogs. Well, I think that's a great point. And I also think it, you know, it depends on who, on the nature of the business that's producing the, art, the uh, blog articles as well. Because, you know, if it's like, you know, the cooking tip of the day or something, you know what I mean? Clearly people are going to be expecting daily tips, you know what I mean? And that's why people subscribe to something like that. But if it's just, oh, here's our, you know, random topic for this week or whatever, then obviously that's going to be overkill if you're cranking out three or four a day. Well, thanks, Andy. Thanks for mm -hmm. sharing that. So I next want to get into um, how does the content game plan apply to various levels of your marketing plan, mm. such as content marketing, social media, search engine optimization. Uh, uh, so what do you think about how does like your content game plan relate to social media and what are some of the social media things that can be done to enhance this or distribute this or how does that all come together, Sarah? We've done a lot with this with our Portland website company, which is basically our local brand, just so we can get in touch with you know people that are in Maine and businesses that are here. And I've had a lot of luck with doing a lot of, you know, like local content. So I try to put myself in the shoes of the people who are going to be reading this. Like, what do they actually want to read? If I read something about, you know, like the five events in Portland that I have to check out this summer, like, is that something that I'm going to want to share with people that I actually care about? I try and write content in regards to how people feel about it. So it's not just, okay, I have to hit a thousand words in this blog. I'm trying to also make it something that people will enjoy. And once people enjoy it, then it kind of goes into social by Kind of starts its own Yeah, its own so then thing. like people will just do it organically. And I mean, I, I think it's pretty common that if Google sees that the content that you're producing is getting a lot of likes and shares on social, then it's probably going to actually index better with SEO as well. And that was the real kind of eye-opener, I think, for us when this was rolling out. It was like, wow, it actually had an impact on the SEO. It does. Which was, like, pleasant. <laughs> and, you know, here was a brand-new domain name, maybe six months old, and next thing you know, it's indexing number four for Website Design Portland mm -hmm. over websites that have been there for 15, 20 years. And, and it was right. this content strategy was it had to have played a role in this. Andy, what are your additional thoughts on how the content strategy relates to SEO. Um, so you deal with that a lot. Every yeah, day. yeah, exactly. And, and honestly, that's a subject I could go on about for a few hours, but uh, I'll keep it short. So just to build off of that, uh, what Sarah and you were just saying, Mike, that that's 100% true because 
Google doesn't just evaluate what's on a website on the page. They also will go out and correlate mentions of your website or mentions of your brand that they find online with your URL. So the more of those they see, the better they're going to do, the higher they're going to rank you. So that that is a huge factor. That's why social sharing is important. And that's why all of that stuff is important. Um, above and beyond that, though, it kind of ties back into what I was saying before, um, wherein something like a blog increases the amount of copy that's on your website, and that copy will theoretically anyway contain uh, relevant keywords and bolster the core content of your website. So it helps with the uh, you know the sort of off-page aspect, and if it's well-written and for the most part relevant, then it's going to help with your on-page content as well. Thanks, Andy. Mm-hmm. So this now goes over to the content marketing sphere where, where Anna's sitting. And um, probably the hardest question of the batch here is like, <laughs> how does your content, how do you work your content into a content marketing strategy? And, and, and what exactly is content marketing? I, I'd gone to a content marketing uh, course and I came out of it still not knowing what content marketing was. <laughs> so uh, Anna, what are your general thoughts on how this is playing out? Yeah, so I mean, first of all, I think I would define uh, content marketing as the process of using content to profit in some way um, or to uh, explain to your audience who you are, what you do, and how your services benefit them. Um, The great thing about content is that it comes in so many different forms. And um, there's a lot of ways that, you know, things like blogs and white papers and ebooks they all complement each other and they can all be integrated and uh, part of a really um, robust content strategy. Uh, email marketing is a great example white, of white that. White papers, ebooks, this, this kind of okay. infographics. Infographics. Infographics, okay. yeah, that's another great one. Um, so it, there's just so many different formats of content that you could, that you could use. Um, so I think the point is that. Uh, when you incorporate them all together, you can have a really strong roadmap to success. Um, and that's where planning comes in. So that's another really big, important part of a strategy. Great. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, blogs and content as it relates to secondary pages of websites. And you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to bring this up specifically because I see, working with medical practices a lot, I see a very... I see a lot of different approaches. You know, I see some that are very stripped down and thin, and they provide very little SEO value. And then we find others that are overly spammy, where in the LASIK category, for example, they may have 12 sub-pages. And it's kind of a really a passe kind of approach to it. Yeah, it's overkill. I think there's a lot of confusion out there as to really what it should be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have, you know, user readers that you have to think about. So obviously having an encyclopedia is Maybe not the best idea, but then you also have the search engines that you know you need to appeal to. So, um, Andy, you've done a nice job designing a pillar page strategy here at Glacial, mm. and that's just paid dividends for tons of clients in terms of indexing secondary pages, um, mm-hmm. literally on the first page of results many times, and um, it's like it's an art in all in and of itself. But what what are you seeing out there that you encounter when it comes to secondary page content? And what are some of the recommendations or suggestions you would do to make improvements? Well, uh, again, that's that's a huge subject. But as it uh, as it relates to blogs, uh, you know, the the main strategy there is to make sure that 
your blog is tied in somehow via a link to one of your what we call pillar pages, which are the main uh, the main pages on the website that are either product offerings or service offerings or or what have you. So you know, again, uh, Google really likes. And I'm sure everyone's sick of hearing me say Google likes, but but they do. Um, they they like uh, you know linking strategies, and that includes internal linking strategies too. And what that means is how you direct the flow of traffic internally once you get onto a website. And blogs are a key way to do that. So, you know, if you have uh, subject A as part of as your main uh, pillar page on the website, and you write a blog that relates relates to subject. A, then you would be very well served. In fact, you'd be kind of silly not to put a link to that pillar page. That gives people engagement opportunities to, to flow through. And it also lets Google see that you're trying to make that process easier for people. Thanks, Andy. Mm-hmm. So, um, Sarah, since you, you've done a lot of this blog work too, um, what are some of your just best practices that you could give the audience today for best practices for blogging? I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do. I think one of the most important things is to actually have like a keyword in mind or your keywords in mind when you're writing a blog. So when you're doing that title, and I like to use CoScheduler, they have this like free headline analyzer and it'll give you a score and it'll tell you how strong your title is. So even before I like actually start writing, like I'll do that kind of like Anna talked about just to find like the right feel and then once you have that keyword, making sure you're adding it in a natural way throughout the blog post. So, you know, hopefully if you're using like WordPress, you can use something like Yoast and it'll give you a nice little SEO score and it'll just break everything down for you, which I find really helpful because I'm a visual person. And then making sure that you have the important elements like Andy was talking about, like internal linking, maybe some external links, a couple here and there only for things that have like high high page authority, just so you're not diluting the content of your blog. And then making sure that you have at least one graphic or featured image on your post too, just because you need to break up the text. Like it's fine that you have a title and it's great if you've got, you know, like your headings in the middle to break it up, but you also need some sort of an image because people get bored with just text and making sure you have like alt tags on it as well. That's just basic stuff. Cool. Anna, what are your, uh, you got any tips for us? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you have some. <laughs> I You've been doing do. this a long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, one of my favorite things is to talk about empathy and what that really means. And like understanding your customer, understanding your readers, um, being positive and focusing on the benefits of your product, of your service. Um, it's really important to stress those instead of focusing on the negative things, what people shouldn't do. Um, for a lot of people, especially uh, in the healthcare industry, for patients, it can be overwhelming to read content that has a negative take. Um, and of course, you don't want to over overwhelm your patients. You want to encourage them um, to come in and see you uh, to make sure that this process is easy, it's simple, um, and to make sure also that um, when they read your copy or your blogs or your social media or um, anything that you have out there, uh, try not to focus too much on jargon. You know, that's a really big thing that uh, I try to stress. I know it's hard not to do that in the medical industry, but right. um, the reality is a lot of people uh, don't use those words in everyday language. It's not a conversational thing, you know. So people, um, I think, you know, numbers is another one to try to stay away from. Try not to use too many statistics in your copy. Um, it distracts your eyes. 
You know, when you're looking at something on the internet, especially on your phone, um, you want to make sure that you can skim, you know, that you can just get the takeaways in a, at a glance. Uh, and I think that that's, again, where formatting comes in handy, but it, it also comes down to good writing and good editing. Um, so that's something I really try to stress. Well, hey, thanks a lot, Anna. That was some really good advice there. Um, that's going to conclude our podcast today. Um, I want to thank everybody for listening, and I, I personally want to thank each and every one of you here today for contributing um, your thoughts. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Glacial Multimedia Podcast Series. For more information in regards to future podcasts or services discussed, please visit www.glacial.com or call us at 207-878-5900.